Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. You know, this is something that uh, I've not heard the Lord say for a long time. But right here tonight, and, and I speak primarily to men, that orphaned heart syndrome is gone. It's gone. Hallelujah. I, I, I preached a series some years ago on the orphaned heart. And you have so many men that have an orphaned heart. And they have an orphaned heart for one of two reasons. Either they they didn't have a father growing up, or they had a father that was uninvolved, didn't pour into their life. And so they end up going into life in the and 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 it's they they'll even have a call to ministry, but they can't minister because. It's like they spend their time in the genesis of their anointing. Without a spiritual father, I don't have a well to draw from. If I, if I, if I didn't have a natural father to teach me, to direct me, to train me, to show me how to do what I should do, teach me how to be a husband, a father, a man of God, then if I, when I get married, I don't know what I need to do. And it's a frustrating experience because I have an orphaned heart. And if I never received affirmation, now I know there are people who say, well, you just need to get over it. Well, I understand that. And, and there is an element that you need to get over things. But if if... Every man in here that's married and has children or grandchildren, we have a God-supplied anointing to be able to speak strength into their lives. Nobody can do it like dad. And when that's not there, there's an emptiness. And mom can love us, and mom can care about us, and mom can... can, can even take us to church and, and teach us the things of God. But she can't instill that strength in us. Because the Father's ordained to do that. And so you'll have men that are 25, 35, 45 years old that are still looking for affirmation from their fathers that they never received while they were growing up. And it hinders their ministry. And it hinders the anointing flowing in their life. That's, that's why the Bible says, now the Lord has me here, so just bear with me. If this doesn't apply to you, just pray for those that it does. But here, here's the thing. The Bible says this. It says that when God ordained the worship in the tabernacle, that he told Moses, he said, I want you to make for Aaron garments. And you remember the garment that he, he had Aaron uh, uh, made for Aaron. And the Bible says, and, and the most familiar scripture is in the book of Psalms, it says that when the anointing oil was poured upon Aaron, that it went down his head, down his beard, and soaked into his garment. That was the anointing that Aaron received for service as the high priest. It says, now for his sons you make coats. Make a garment for him and make coats for them. Hallelujah. But when you see Aaron dying, you see them take the garment off of him. And notice what they didn't do. They didn't just anoint Abinadab to be priest in his place. They took that same garment 
that was already full of the anointing that Aaron had and put it on him. He started out his ministry with his father's anointing. And then they anointed him. Each successive generation is supposed to, yes, have their own anointing, but to function in the anointings of previous generations. And whenever I hear ministers say, well, you know, I want to do my own thing. I mean, that was great for them, but, you know, I, I want to do, I want God to use me in my own way. That's a foolish statement. That's a foolish statement because the Bible says that when I forsake my fathers, I forsake the anointing that was on their life. We need every bit of anointing that was on the generations previous to us so that we can accomplish everything that God wants us to do. Oh, hallelujah. And so I'm saying all that to say this, you're free from that tonight. You're free from that tonight. Never going to be an issue again. Amen. Because here's the the thing, if you belong to this body, if you belong to this church, you have a spiritual father. Amen. God supplied you with that, and that anointing's functioning in your life. No, No one that hooks up to this ministry is functioning by themselves. You're functioning under the anointing that God placed on this ministry. Glory be to God. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. That's why Paul wrote. That's why Paul wrote in the book of 1 Corinthians. And he said, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. In other words, there are numerous people that can teach you. But there's not many fathers. Because a teacher doesn't always take interest in the student. But a father always has interest in the son. Or the child. Always. 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 That's why the Bible calls God our Father. Because He's faithful. And that word faithful means like a a ever-present Father. Like a Father that cares for His family watchfully and caringly. Hallelujah. God is our Father. And then He placed Father's in our life. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said to Timothy, my own son in the faith. My son in the faith. And that that Paul was was imparted into Timothy. When Timothy was worried and Timothy was afraid and Timothy was being persecuted and people were leaving the church by, by, by multitudes. Timothy pastored the largest church in the world, pastoring out of the city of Ephesus. John the Beloved sat in his church. Mary the mother of... How would you like to come out on Sunday morning and have John and Jesus' mama sitting on the front row? The disciple that Jesus loved. And his mama. And Jesus' mama. Hallelujah. And you're getting up there about to preach about Jesus. Oh, Lord. Some estimates are his church was 125,000 people. And then persecution hit. And Timothy was, was worried and concerned. And Paul wrote to him from prison. Timothy had wrote Paul... While Paul was in prison. Paul's in prison. His father's in prison. And Timothy writes him a letter and tells him what's going on. And Paul responds. You remember what he said? He said, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Why? For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. A father in the faith had to respond with the words that his son needed to hear at that moment. Glory to God. Amen. And, 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 and if I don't have that, if I don't have that in my life, then I'm, I'm stuck in that place of how do I move forward? How do I do what God wants me to do? Because there's not that voice of a father in my life that's speaking into my life. It may be corrective. It may be instructive. But yet it's there. Amen. And it takes that emptiness out of my life. Glory be to God. I want to move away from that, but I can't. 
So he said, you don't have many fathers. Hallelujah. You know, you don't, it's, it's, God chooses who your father in the faith is. And you just submit to it. It's like God chooses who your pastor is. I, I had a brother at the church. You remember Brother Charles. And uh, uh, Brother Charles was a, a, a good man. And I was ministering. I was ministering in a service. We, we might not be here too long tonight, but I was ministering in a service. And uh, his wife came. And, uh, and uh, uh, I was ministering. And, uh, of course, now this was in Kansas City, Missouri. And DeSoto, Kansas is about 27 miles from Kansas City, Missouri. So not that far. But, you know, to some people that's a long ways. And uh, so he, uh, she went home and told him, she said, uh, I want to go out there to Pastor Steele's church. Now I'll just tell you what he said. Now it'll be obvious his race when I say this. He said, I'm not driving 30 miles to hear no white man. Now, he told me this after he was sanctified. Amen. So she let it go. Well, then it come up Mother's Day. And he said, what do you want for Mother's Day? I'll give you anything you want. She said, I want to go out there to Pastor Seal's church. So he grudgingly came. He grudgingly came. And once you ever got to know Brother Charles, you'd understand that, that he's a great man, good guy. But here's the point. His testimony was sitting in that service, I knew you were my pastor. You understand? This is so important. God had something that needed to get in him. But there was something standing in the way. What was it? I'm white. That was standing in the way. The anointing has no color. The Spirit of God has no color. God has no color. Do you understand that? When you get to heaven, there's not going to be a white man sitting on the throne or a black man or a Hispanic man or a red man. There's going to be a spirit sitting on the throne. And there's going to be a man sitting beside him at the right hand and he's going to look like a Hebrew because that's what he was. Are you following me? God chooses who your pastor is. God chooses where you go to church. Because that's where what you need will be. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you see that? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. That fathering anointing has the ability to take you to the place that God ordained you to be in. You'll see it easier. Because you're... Look over here. Is this okay? Look over here in uh, 2 Kings. I had something else planned. I'd I, I just like to prove to you I'm not winging it. I, I have my notes. I even gave Brother Richard a title. May not apply now, but that's all right. Sunday nights are reserved for the moving of the Holy Spirit. And uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, when, when 
when you are out of your place, you can't function in the equipment of your calling. And, and now that's not just when you're out of your place where a ministry gift is concerned. If a person is not where God wants them to be in the church God wants them to be in, under the person that God wants them to be under, they can't function in the equipment of their calling. It's, 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 it's that important. Now chapter 2, 2 Kings chapter 2. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. So notice they knew it was going to happen. This, this was not some mystery. And Elijah said to Elisha, Terry, here I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel, to the house of God. And Elisha said to him, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. So they went to Bethel. They went to Bethel. They went to the house of God. Now, what you have to be cautious of is because we've heard so much preached on this, we kind of overlook these things leading up to this. Now, if we go to the end of the story, now we're going to read to it, but remember what happened when Elisha looked up and saw the chariots of fire? And he cried out, what did he cry out twice? My father, my father. Is that right? And so notice, this is, he is a son of the prophet. He is part of this school. But he's serving his father. He's not just part of the group. It's clear that Everybody knew this was going to happen. But everybody wasn't connected. Right? So they went to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel. See, what Elijah's doing is he's going to each of these places where these colleges of the prophets or the sons of the prophets are. He's going and he's basically saying his farewells. Because he's leaving. And the sons of the prophets came to Elisha and said unto him, Do you know, knowest thou that the Lord will take your master from your head today? Here, here's what's being said. What are you going to do? I mean, your master's being taken. What are you going to do? And he said, what did he say? I know it. Hold your peace. In, in other words, I don't need to talk about it. I know. I understand. And Elijah said unto, him, unto Elisha, tarry here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord lives and your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they too went to Jericho. And again, the sons of the prophets. Do you not know the Lord's going to take your master? Yes, I know it. And Elijah said unto him, tarry, I pray here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan and he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Hallelujah. I won't leave you. If you've got a call on your life, God may bring you somewhere to a church to get that call cultivated and to mature that call and to move you into something. But if God called you to that place... Even if you go do something else in ministry, you're never disconnected from the person God called you to. But notice whose choice it was. I won't leave you. You've got to choose not to leave where God placed you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they too went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood a few afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. Now it's interesting. All the way through scripture, Jordan is indicative of change. From what the Holy Spirit said to us tonight, a shift. When, uh, when Jacob 
wrestled with the Lord Jesus all night. What did he cross over? Jordan. When he crossed over, he didn't cross over Jacob. He crossed over Israel. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did, did you see that? When, when the people of Israel came to the border of the promised land, the border of the promised land was Jordan. And when they crossed over Jordan, the Bible says the manna ceased. Everything changed. When Jesus went down in the waters of baptism in the Jordan River, he went down the son of Mary and Joseph and came up the son of God. Now, you understand what I mean by that? He was always the Son of God. He went under the waters of baptism, unanointed, and came up anointed. I'd call that a change. Glory to God. Amen. Always indicative of change. So they went to the Jordan, and they stood. uh, uh, It says, 50 sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. So that tells me that more than one person could have got in on this. See what I'm saying? And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I be taken away. And he said, I pray thee, let a double portion of your, your, your spirit be upon me. Now, we know he was anointed to stand in his room because uh, in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 16, the Lord told Elijah, Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, shall you anoint to be prophet in your room. So when he went and put the mantle on him, he was called and the anointing came on him to stand in his room. Are you following me? I remember when Dr. Dufresne and Brother Charles Capps, they went home to be with the Lord. And, you know, they, they, they went home to be with the Lord fairly close to each other, 2013. And uh, I had just gotten word that Dr. Dufresne had moved to heaven. And uh, I was sitting in my car, and, and I was just kind of sitting there, and I was thinking, Lord, you know, these great men of God are going to heaven. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, rooms are being vacated. And the people that are anointed to stand in them have to step up and stand in those rooms. I'm saying all this for a reason. God brings people to a church to anoint them to stand in a room. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I remember... Years ago, I had a, uh, I call it a night vision. Pastor Michelle and I were in uh, Marietta, California. We were there. We had traveled with Pastor and Sister Jeannie to uh, World Harvest Church there with Pastor Nancy. And uh, we were staying in uh, uh, a a, a vineyard, and they they have a a hotel there. And a very nice place, but... Uh, probably about 3 o'clock in the morning, I just had this, this open vision. Like, it's the only way I know to explain it. And I was in a, uh, an apartment in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I don't share this publicly a lot. And I was there with two ministers, one that I know very well and personally acquainted with, and one that I know of, but I'm not acquainted with them. And we were talking. And I made the statement. In that vision, I said to these two ministers, I said, Brother Hagen used to love, now watch, to be in this room. And the man that I know said, in this room? Like that. I said, yes. 
He said, in this room. I said, yes. And in that vision, he jumped up and laid hands on me. And he said, and that anointing is still in this room. Now, I told that to a friend of mine. See, be careful who you talk to. I told that to a friend of mine. And he said, well, there'll never, ever be but just one Brother Hagen." Well, I'm not saying that. That's obviously not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when Brother Hagen went to heaven, his anointing didn't go to heaven. His anointing stayed in the earth. And I'll be very bold about this. All you got to do is take a little trip to Branson, Missouri, and you'll be in the church of the guy that carries it. Amen. But thankfully, we all carry some of it. Because every time you listen to his, I start to say tape. I still have tapes. Don't throw anything at me. Hallelujah. But every time you listen, you get something. But notice, in that room, I'm telling you, there's been people under the sound of my voice tonight, you've been struggling to get in your room and your struggle is over. Because you're stepping into it. Hallelujah. So he said, let a double portion of your spirit be on me. And notice what he said. He said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so. But if not, it shall not be so. Now, that used to puzzle me. Because it's like, if you see me, what, what's the issue with seeing? I have a good friend that pastors a church in, um, um, well, the Tampa, Florida area. And he's a, a, basically a Hebrew scholar. I mean, he has more degrees than... than uh, I have named numbers or, or words and letters in my name. And he was talking to me one time. He was teaching a ministry class at our church. And he said, in the Hebrew, what this says is, if you see things the way I see it, you can have it. If you see it the way I see it, what God wants to bring into people's life very often is, is dependent upon how they're seeing. Right? If I'm seeing it the way you see, when you have a spiritual father, you have to see like he's seeing to do what they're doing. Hallelujah. I've had people tell me, you make pastoring look easy. Well, if you got a call of God to pastor on your life, hang out, watch me, stick with me, and it'll be easy for you. Glory to God. Amen. Say it out loud. I will see it the way they see it. Amen. See, when, when you hear a minister preaching and teaching, what, what they're saying, you're getting insight to how they see. Glory to God. When, when you hear Pastor Caldwell, my pastor, talk and preach on no more limits, you're seeing how he lives with no limits. I remember one time he told me, this, I, I don't talk a lot about our private conversations, but we were talking about some things, and he said something to me. He said, he told me the story years ago when they were still in the, uh, the uh, uh, Barrow Road building, years ago, and he said that uh, uh, he went and talked to a businessman that had a jet for sale, and he said, I couldn't afford a jet. He said, but I went and asked the man would you consider donating it and I'll give you a letter of donation? And then he looked at me and said something that just stuck with me the rest of my life. He said, I don't have any problem asking for the kingdom. And that showed me how he lived his life. 
I don't have, and I'll tell people that all the time. They'll say, how could you ask for that? And I'll just repeat my pastor. I don't have any problem asking for the kingdom. See, that removes limits. But you got to have a father speaking those things into your life. Or yet, or, or else you're left with trying to figure it out. You won't know what to say if somebody's not helping you know what to say. Amen. Well, I'll just depend on the Holy Ghost. And you need somebody to help you learn how to be led by the Holy Ghost. You can't overlook the human interaction that God places in your life. Oh, hallelujah. Boy, this is good. Ah, if you see it the way I see it, it'll be so. Hallelujah. But it, it comes down to how am I seeing it? How am I seeing it? Jesus spent a bulk of his ministry, especially in his private time with his disciples, getting them to see things the way he saw it. Why? Because he's going to leave the earth in the hands of those guys. Think about that. Jesus leaves the earth after three and a half years of ministry and leaves the church, the infant baby church, in Peter's hands. I'm not making fun of Peter, but you understand. Dear Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll not deny you. I'll go to death for you. Right? Glory to God. Lord, should we strike? Peter swung with all of his might and got an ear. <laughs> you can tell Jesus wasn't teaching him sword play. Do you see that? You can struggle to get into where God wants you to get into if you're not seeing right. You got to see it the way the people God has hooked you up to see it. That's why it's called vision. What's the vision? The vision of that ministry. The vision of that church. So part of our vision is raising up a spiritual production center, producing life, city, state, nation, and world. So that means that there will be people that come that get a hold of the things that God's doing in our midst. And they may go start a church somewhere else. Or they may go across town and start a church. Or they may go out of the state and start a church. It's, it's not keep everybody that comes. It's, be, it's, it's obey the vision and raise up a spiritual production center. Amen. Do, do, do you see that? Your DNA will be evident. Glory to God. Amen. Do, do, you, do you see this? You know, there, there are some sons and fathers that when they walk in the room together, you have no, there's no question. Who belongs to who? That's just DNA. The older I get, the more I sound like my dad. Dear, help me. I'm okay with it now. But it's DNA. I said it's DNA. Spiritual DNA is strong in this ministry. It's important. We value those that went before us. We esteem them precious because that's our DNA. You see that? And something I've learned, the Lord helped me see this. Every person that imparts, for instance, if I lay hands on you and impart something, 
There's an anointing there from me. But there's an anointing there from Pastor Caldwell. And there's an anointing there from Kenneth Hagin. And there's an anointing. Why? Because every person that laid hands on them, you carry a residue of that yourself. See, that's how I know you can't fail. Because you have the bloodline of a champion. Yes, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says, and I'll try to wrap this up with this. I know it's simple. The Bible says that David departed and went to the cave of Adullam. And it says everyone that was in debt, discontented, and in distress came. Now, here's the key word. And joined themselves to David. Didn't say the army or David's army. It says they joined themselves to David. Glory to God. Amen. Do do, do you see that? Now, here's the point. When you read on at the end of David's life, when he's encouraging Solomon, and he's talking about how he had reserved uh, $3.3 billion for the church. That's, That's David's offering. Three billion with a B. And then it starts naming all the captains. And it says they gave five point something billion. Who were those captains that gave five billion dollars? They were the ones that were in debt, discontented, and in distress that joined themselves to David. I'm telling you, God brought you to this cave and hooked you up with a giant killer. And there's nothing that you're not going to be able to do for God. Nothing. Nothing. Hallelujah. 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 There was a time that David went out to battle. And the Bible says he went out to battle and that Goliath's brother challenged David. David was older. And it says he almost overcame him. And it says, I believe his name was Abishai. It said, but Abishai came and secured David and killed the giant. Glory to God. And the Bible says this. And so it is said that David not only killed Goliath, but David killed all of Goliath's brothers. Even though David was not the one that personally did it. But someone with his DNA did. Hallelujah. You might fight the same battles as your father, but you'll get the same victories as your father. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. There's that shift. And so you have to be careful who you buddy yourself up with. And the people you run with. Because you carry the DNA of a champion. And when I say that, I mean Jesus more than anything. But you understand what I mean? You got to be careful who you buddy up with. And the preachers you buddy up with. Amen. Because you have a bloodline of character. You have a bloodline of integrity. You have a bloodline of cleanness. You have a bloodline of ministry with, with, with no strife. You have a ministry with no scandal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you honor that and you respect that. Amen. Amen. 
Because that runs in your, in, in your spiritual DNA. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So I got to see things that way. I got to see things that way. Glory to God. Help me see things that way. Because if I can see it that way, I can build it. I'll, I'll try to close with this. We'll receive our offering in just a moment. <laughs> no, I'm not going to take a text and preach. But I remember talking to my pastor. And years ago, years ago, in, uh, when uh, it was actually the last camp meeting at Rama when they were in the Tulsa Convention Center. It was, I think it was Brother Hagen's 80th birthday. And uh, Pastor Michelle and I were there. And Pastor Caldwell was ministering in the morning services. Him and Miss Jeannie were ministering in the morning services. And all through the week, he was teaching on five ways to plant your faith. All right? I still have those notes. I didn't know him then. Didn't knew very little about the ministry. But sitting there in camp meeting, I was drawn to him. And so I went back to his product table after the, the morning session, and I, I found his tape series then. I found his tape series on uh, Eagle Leadership. All right, And the very first tape in that series, now I updated the CDs, and now I have the USB, but just so you know, I did have the tapes. And uh, the first tape was called 12 Acres of Vision. 12 Acres of Vision. Well, at 701 Napa Valley, there's 12 acres, right? Well, that 12 acres was there when Napa Valley, nobody knew it was going to be the artery it is today. And pastor was asking God where to build the church. They're in the shopping center, and they need to move. He went up, and he sat on a stump on the top of that hill and overlooked that 12 acres. Amen. And the Lord said, uh, go offer him this amount of money. So he went and offered him this amount of money. There's a group of businessmen that own that property. And they said, no, so that's not enough money. They said, uh, we don't even really want to sell the property. There's no need to sell it. And, then, and that's by far, that's not enough money. So he said, I went back, sit back down on the stump. See, I learned something. If it doesn't go right, just go sit back down on the stump. Remember the story I told about the man that he said, I don't want to give that man my bank account number. And the Lord said, why? You don't have anything in it. There's nothing in it. If you don't know what else to do, just sit on the stump. Keep seeing it the way he's seeing it. And so the Lord said, uh, uh, wait two weeks and go back and offer him this amount. And it was $10,000 less than what he had offered originally. And he went and offered him that, and they said, okay. And even threw some things in. Amen. And you were there. Both of y'all were there. Isn't that great? We have people that were there. And, and the Lord told him, this is your land. They got the land. And then the Lord said, I want you to build that building, and I want you to build it debt-free. Well, see, God knew what he was doing because that's when interest rates went out the ceiling. But they didn't have any borrowed money, so they just paid for it as they went. Now, think about it. I got to see it the way he saw it. He sat on that stump and saw 12 acres of vision and saw buildings and parking lots. And people coming and going. And a church raised up to the glory of God. Everybody else just saw a piece of land. He saw a ministry complex. God can speak to people that are seeing. If you're not seeing, there's nothing for God to talk to you about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, you know, that church was raised up. 
right? Most every one of us in here have been there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I remember the first time I, I walked through that complex, and uh, we were up here filming, and Pastor, uh, we'd went out to lunch, and he was taking me on a, a tour of the building. And I remember walking through that building thinking, what do you got to do to see it this way? I don't want your building. I want to be able to see it the way you can see it. Because if I can see it that way, I can get a building. You have a lot of spiritual sons that want their father's ministry. They need to be wanting to see how he saw and they can build an even greater ministry. Hallelujah. Um, is this okay? You remember? You ever hear him tell the story that when they got that building finished and got everything done and he brought that group of ministers in, group of pastors in, and they were all walking through there and he was showing them the church and, and he said he heard one of them say, uh, what in the world you got to do to get a place like this? And the other guy said, well, he said, I, I guess we got to use our faith. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that great? If I can see it that way, I can have that and more. But I got to see it that way. You don't just want what they have. You want what they can see. I want to see the way they see. I'm not my pastor. I will never be my pastor. I'll never preach like him. Hallelujah. I like to jump and run. Hallelujah. But I can see. And that same anointing is resident in my life. Not just to teach and preach, but to build and to grow. You just got to see it. You just got to see it. I've been seeing this church full. And every service, there's more people. And every service, there's more people. Why? Because we're seeing it. Vision is seed. And when you keep the vision out there, you cultivate the ground to grow. A vision comes supplied with its own power source. And when you have a vision, you got the power to do everything God wants you to do. You just got to see it. Oh, glory to God. You just got to see it. Amen. And so, you, especially as a minister, I've got to spend less time just wanting to do. And I have to spend more time seeing. i got to spend more time seeing how they see things so then I can do things the way they do things. Hallelujah. God's good to us. Amen. I'm not going to take any more time. If you'd like to give tonight, there is an envelope there in the seat back in front of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know... As you're preparing to give, I, I, I'm, I've always been a watcher of people. I remember when the Lord took us to Kansas City. Actually, we lived in Missouri first. Grandview, Missouri. Red Bridge, actually, a few miles, a little bit out of Grandview. And we found a church there, uh, Deeper Life Christian Ministries, Elder E.C. Morton and, uh, and his wife, Sister Morton. And just... A wonderful, wonderful man of God will always be forever precious to me. And uh, I, I, this is where I learned this. I learned by watching him how to deal with people. I didn't say anything. I just watched. I also learned a lot about what not to do by watching You know, if you'll watch people, you'll learn what not to say. You'll learn that the Bible says this for a reason. 
right? That you have two ears and one mouth. You should listen twice as much as you talk. <laughs> Amen. Some people, the reason why they're always in trouble, they talk too much. The Bible says when there's a multitude of words, there one doth not sin. You start talking too much, you're going to exaggerate somewhere. <laughs> Hallelujah. One time I was at a men's, a men's advance, and we went we'd camping, and we used to go to this huge scenario paintball game in Wyandotte, Oklahoma, uh, D-Day. It was a, a replay of the D-Day invasion, and, and we would go take the men there. Man, we'd have a good time. And, and, and one, I don't know why this guy went one year. He just he went, and uh, he didn't want to in, be in the game. He, he didn't know anybody. No, we loved him. Don't misunderstand. But every time we would sit around to talk, he had an opinion. And he would just take over the conversation. And finally, one day, he, he kind of took a breath. And I looked at him and I said, you talk too much. And he just looked at me. And I said, you've been talking nonstop. Nobody can say anything for you talking. And he just, I don't know, I forget what he said. He kind of murmured. And, but I wasn't trying to be mean. But when you need to learn something, you need to not talk. You need to look and listen. I remember, you, you all know Pastor Marie that comes here. And uh, she was uh, on the uh, board of the, the original board of the church there in Kansas. And uh, one time I was talking to the board, and I was trying to get them to see things the way I see it. And I was saying, this is what we need to do, and we're going to reach out, and we're going to do this. And she kept asking questions. And she kept making comments. And finally, I looked at her and I said, if you would shut up, I could possibly teach you something. I'm not bragging on me. I don't go around telling people to shut up. But here's the point. I knew if you don't hear me saying, you will never see the way I see it. And, and you got to put all that aside and you got to listen so you can see. I learned how to deal with people. I, I, I listened to his conversations with people. And, and I learned so much and, and never got in trouble. I never did what they did. Because I learned to self-correct. Hallelujah.